Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, I'm Ashley Lemieux, and I'm here to help you uncover the greatest power in your life. You! After going on my own healing journey, I realized I was looking for the wrong thing, a way out. But I didn't need a way out. What I really needed was a way in, to fully uncover who I am. Each week I'll be sharing tangible tools and inspiring interviews to help you create a clear pathway forward in areas of your life that you might feel stuck or overwhelmed in. I'm not here to be the expert on your life. You are. What I want is to help you believe that. So get ready to reframe your thoughts, reimagine your future, and reclaim your power. Are you ready? I am. Hey, sister, it's me. I wanted to pop in here really quick to make sure that you knew my best-selling book, Born to Shine, is on sale right now on Amazon. I want you to read this book so badly because it has helped thousands of other women all over the world, uncover their light and shine even in the darkest moments of their lives. It's my unique message that acknowledges the overwhelming truth that even when life is in ruins, that you can still shine. It's my message of hope for women who are brave enough to say that everything is not okay, but my story isn't over yet. Go to amazon.com, type in born to shine, go grab the book, And we'll continue on to the episode. Hey, you guys, I have the biggest treat ever today for you. I am so excited that he's agreed to come talk with us on the podcast. And I'm just so excited to introduce you to him. So everyone, welcome Alexander Field, who is actually my literary agent. He is the literary agent at his company, The Bindery. He has a podcast called On Publishing Podcast. He's a former VP publisher at Penguin Random House. And this is the man that truly has helped my dreams of becoming an author come to life. So Alex, thank you so much for joining us here today. Absolutely a pleasure, Ashley. So great to talk with you. I'm excited to to dive into this today. So for those of you who don't fully know my backstory, I want to give you just a really quick rundown on why I'm so excited about doing this episode. Since I was probably eight years old, my dream has always been to be an author. It was just one of those things that I knew I would do In my life, I knew I was supposed to do it. And if you asked me when I was eight what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would tell you that I wanted to be a writer who helped people heal their hearts. And I started blogging, oh man, it's been about eight, nine years ago now, kind of back when blogs became a thing. And I figured that if I could create a little space on the internet for me, to write that maybe one day I'd be able to get a publisher because I would have grown an audience. And anyways, blogging became a fun outlet for me. So now fast forward almost a decade, a couple of years ago, 
you guys know, if you've been with me for a while, that I submitted a proposal to a publisher for my first book, which is now Born to Shine. But before it became Born to Shine, that proposal, which was basically my idea for the book, it was turned down by every publisher who got it. And I was so disappointed isn't the right word for it. I was just, oh man, I was so sad. I was so upset because I finally felt like I had this chance to do what I had always wanted to do. And then I was told that it wasn't good enough. And at that point I had a different literary agent who was not Alex. So I decided that I needed to publish Born to Shine. I hired my own editors, I did my own thing, and then at the very last moment before it entered into the marketplace, I ended up signing with a very small publisher because I felt like I needed someone to help like, print the books and distribute the books and get it out into the world. And this was something I had never done before, so I didn't know the ins and outs of anything. So I decided that I needed some help there. During that time, when my book launched, is when I met Alex and he had found me from a podcast that I was a guest on and he had reached out and the first time that he had reached out actually I didn't email him back for a while because it was soon after I had been rejected by all the publishers <laughs> and so I was like uh I'm not writing right now so I'm just not going to i I'm not going to respond for a while. Plus, we were in the middle of so many other things. So by the time I responded to Alex, we were actually about to be in his city for the Born to Shine book tour. And so we got to meet in person. And then I signed with him as my literary agent after that. And now we have two books coming out with HarperCollins next year, which I'm so excited about. But that backstory I think is really important because both of us know how hard it can feel to become a writer, to become a published author. And our hope today is, is that you have a more clear starting point and a more clear path forward in a world that might feel really new and really overwhelming. So I'm done talking cause we're gonna turn it over to Alex, but Alex, can you, <laughs> Can you just like help us start this conversation with telling us a little bit more about your background specifically? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's fun to hear, Ashley, that story again, because, you know, there are moments in that journey where I'm sure you were uncertain about starting that whole process again. And I know it's such a vulnerable process. It's it's difficult to go through and to put yourself out there and face the possibility of rejection every time. As far as my background, I have been in the publishing industry in some capacity all of my career. It's what I always wanted to do. I, it's the, the reason I think why is, first of all, of course, I love books. I love reading. When I was younger in high school, my family moved to a new city. And I was really alone in that new school and that new city. And so books became kind of my companion. So that's why 
I think they've had such a big impact on me and why I really felt drawn to work in publishing from the beginning. So I worked at the Los Angeles Times for a couple of years right out of college. I did some writing for them. I was an assistant at first and already was getting my feet wet in the industry. I, I've worked in several different publishing companies from small family owned presses to mid-sized houses to then leading imprints, several imprints at Penguin Random House as a publisher and really getting to see the industry from all different perspectives. And I did that for, like I was in book publishing for almost 20 years. And at some point in there, I decided I wanted to, first of all, I'm a words guy. I majored in English and creative writing. So I wanted to really get back to the words. Like as a publisher, you get to do great things, but you're often in meetings, you're working with finances, you're doing things at a different level. You're not working with authors and words as much anymore. And so I kind of craved that. I wanted to work for myself as well. And so a few years ago, I started my literary agency, The Bindery, and it's been the best thing ever. Now I get to come alongside people like you, Ashley, who have something really important to say and help to build the concept of what that book might become. Yes, but then also, you know, the right strategy for approaching publishers, the right strategy for for finding the right publisher. And, and that's super rewarding. Listen, it, it's a hard, hard industry. It doesn't always work, as you know. And especially doesn't work the way we think it will. But when it does, oh my gosh, it's the most rewarding. It's the most fun uh, thing I love. And we haven't gotten to this point yet, Ashley, but we will. I love holding that final book in our hands and being like just being excited about this thing, getting out into the world, and then, you know, seeing people read it and respond. So. I I am that's the short short version of what I've done. I've been an editor, I've been a publisher and I've overseen all parts of the process at some point. So, it's a pleasure to get to do what I do every day. Oh, I love I love hearing your background because you're just so excited about what you do. What's get <laughs> which gets me excited about just everything in the process. So, something I want to tell you guys about Alex is that like he had mentioned going back out into the publishing world for me and pitching another book, which is the book we haven't announced the name or anything yet that will be coming soon. The cover just got done and everything. So we will actually have the final book, I think here in a little bit. So stay tuned for that. But going back out after having been rejected was one of the scariest things that I've ever done. And I needed somebody like Alex to believe in me and tell me like, Hey, we've got a good shot at this. And so let's, let's make something happen and try again. And that's something that I really appreciate about you is that in such a hard industry, you're like this voice of optimism, (laughs) just so helpful. So all of you guys listening right now are just in for the biggest treat. So I, okay. So I really want to talk to those who are where I was a few years ago and they just, all they know is they want to write. They want to write, they want to write books and they have no idea how, and this might be kind of a big question, but I feel like it's really important. Alex is what's the very first thing that you would tell an author who hasn't published anything yet to do first? Yeah, it is a big question and it's, you know, what's funny and I, 
I've seen this happen a thousand different ways, but I think it's sort of a different answer for everybody. But I, so there's, there's more than one answer to this question for some, they know exactly what they want to write. Like they know the story they want to tell or the ideas they want to share right now on day one. And that's like, what a blessing, what a gift. However, some others may not know what the book is that they need to write yet. And that's okay too. I would say for either one of those, a really good place to start, whether you're a writer or not, and I'll I'll get to that in a second, is to sit down and just open up that very scary blank page on Word or Google Docs or whatever. Yeah. And just, I mean, I would even just start with a thousand words or 500 words. What is it that you want to share? What is that one thing that you want to pass on to the world? What is your contribution? right to the to the public square or or the ongoing conversation that we're all having what's the thing you want to leave behind that you want to leave with people when you're gone like put it down and it might be 5000 words you might write a lot of content on that this isn't meant to be final book content this isn't meant to be for your book proposal which we'll also talk about this is just meant to be like get that nugget down what is it you want to share what's the contribution you want to make to other people how do you want to help people with a book and that can happen in so many ways and also I said a second ago, you may be a writer, you may not be. You know, some people will actually write out the idea. They'll even write out the structure of the book and here are the chapters I want to write, but they might need help putting that together. And that's not a bad thing. That's just sometimes the process works that way. In fact, more often than not, it probably works that way where an author works with a co-author or a ghostwriter or a collaborator of some kind. So at some point you'll transition to that. But I think it's important for everyone to start with just put those ideas down on paper and, and start to flesh out what it is you want to share with the world. Another thing that that that's part of this early development of the concept of your book that, that these days can be so, so helpful, and Ashley, you're amazing at this, is sharing your content with the world in small ways and seeing how people react, seeing what encourages people, seeing what, you know, what gets a positive reaction and almost in a certain sense, field testing, you know, the content that you might want to write in a book someday. So that's kind of a way to start getting a sense of what people react to, what's helpful and what might ultimately end up in your book. So I, those are a couple of things that I would say, like start just putting ideas on paper. Give yourself a very small goal and write, uh, even though it's hard and scary, and then test it. Get it out there in the world a little bit. See how people respond. That's just sort, sort of like a, a very, very beginning first step. Oh, and that's so good though. And it's so simple, but I get asked all the time, how how do I publish a book? How do I become a writer? And always my first question is, well, are you writing right now? Like, are you writing the things that you want to be sharing? And a lot of times that answer is no, because I think that we tell ourselves we have to wait for the perfect time or we have to wait for the book deal or we have to wait until our audience is has X amount of people in it. And so we don't actually do the writing, which to be a writer, you have to. So I love that that's where you started us. And I just want to encourage any of you listening who are, who just feel scared, like staring at that blank page, especially when you know you're doing it with the intention of wanting to write a book someday, it's freaking terrifying. (laughs) And I totally (laughs) know that feeling 
but it's also so exciting because you get to start dreaming and bringing to life a creation that would not exist if it wasn't for you and your thoughts and your ideas. So that's where you start. Okay, so Alex, they have their they have their idea like totally just clear now. They have total clarity around what the message is that they want to be sharing. Now what do they do? <laughs> well, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of steps here as well. <laughs> and you know this better than anybody. I think that we it's always a good thing to talk about the book proposal. That's a big part of the process. However, you did mention something a second ago, Ashley, like making sure that you have someone to share this book with is also important. So all these things sort of happen simultaneously, right? Like you want to make sure that you're starting to build what, you know, is sort of become a four letter word, even though it's not four letters, but platform, like a place to, and the way I define platform is pretty simple, but it's some method that allows you to reach people with your message and ultimately share about your book somehow. And that's in the context of book publishing platform can apply to a lot of things. So it's a way to reach people. It's a way to share what you want to share with other people. And that can be social media. It can be a podcast like we're doing now, or it can be, you know, maybe you're part of a big organization or you have a radio program or, I mean, there's so many ways. Maybe you're publishing little essays and articles and magazines or online somewhere. There are a thousand ways to build platform and share your message with people. So that's an important part to consider in all of this. You got to start somewhere and everybody, everybody starts with nothing at some point. So that's okay. I would consider as far as the, the platform is concerned, just, just pick one or two things that are comfortable for you and then start, just start. And so the next step really though, in the writing of the book, once you know what you want to write is to build a book proposal. And that, I always think of that as sort of like a business plan for your book. And the reason I think of it that way as a former publisher, as the person who used to sit there with a team of people and help to decide which books to sign and acquire and put money on the table for, you know, we had to make a business case for every book that we signed as a publishing company. So your your proposal in a sense should should help them make that case help your publisher and your future book editor make the case that this is a good buy this is a very good bet so that's that's the kind of overview the proposal itself usually consists of a couple of sample chapters and it might be your first chapter or it might be your last chapter that's we like to say that the chapter should be representative of the rest of the book somehow. It should be sim- similar to the content the rest of your book will include. It will also include your table of contents, your chapter outline. Maybe you have eight chapters or 12 chapters. Ideally, you have a title for that chapter, maybe a sentence, just kind of fleshing out what that chapter will will be about. And then, of course, it's super important to have a bio, an author bio for you. Like, who are you? Why are you doing this? What do you bring to this book and this topic um, that gives you sometimes it's the credibility, you know, especially for, you know, books on clinical issues of some sort. Other times it's it's your life experience or, or different things that give you it really will add add credence to your book. So the author bio, we like to include not every 
proposal includes this, but we like to include a lot of marketing ideas and things that the publisher can grab onto and say, these are ways we can share about this book with the world. Again, back to that sort of business plan idea. We want to help the publisher to see a vision for how they can sell your book to the world. And then some other detailed like overview information. So that's and the book proposal can be 15 pages or it can be 50 pages or, or longer. So that's that's the kind of first piece. And honestly, there are plenty of proposal outlines out there on the internet. You can go, or templates, you can go download one right now and take a look at it. In fact, I think we have one on our website, thebinderyagency.com. You can go check that out. And it's just a simple PDF that shows some of the basic stuff we like to have in a book proposal. And frankly, if you get a head start on that before you even have an agent or a publisher, that's wonderful. Like that's, you're ahead of the game at that point. Oh yeah, that's so, that's so good. And we'll put in the notes, you guys, the link to his website where you can go download a copy of what a proposal should even look like. Okay, so they have their, their book proposal now. How important is having a literary agent in this process? <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> it's interesting. Being a literary agent, I'll tell you this. Like when I was an editor, an acquisitions editor, and this is a long time ago when I first started, you know, my job was to go out and acquire, you know, it might be 10 to 15 or more books a year. And, you know, dealing with agents is part of the deal. It's part of the process. In fact, the majority of the books that I've signed in my life as a publisher, as an agent, whatever, an agent was involved. And that's, that's for a lot of reasons. However, sometimes I would approach people directly as an acquisitions editor. and I knew what I was looking for. I knew the topic I wanted to publish on. So I'd go chase down people. That happens. It does. But very, very rarely did I respond to an author who reached out to us kind of as a, a cold call or, you know, a pitch by email or phone or whatever. So oftentimes an agent can help really determine the right publisher for you. An agent can help you hone that concept and hone that book proposal for sure. So I, I always recommend Ashley, and of course I do, because I am one working with an agent because it just unlocks doors. Relationship is so important in this business. And those of us who've been doing this a while, you know, we, we, we build those relationships. We, we see a book idea and we, we immediately think of the editors or the publishers where that would fit. And that's, that's just a huge, there's a lot of huge benefits along the way, but that's one of them. That's something that I've noticed that I didn't realize before entering into this process is that the literary agents have, especially those who have been doing this for a while, have such close relationships with the editors and the publishing houses that you're wanting to acquire your book. And, and it was kind of cool to me just how tight-knit every, everything is in there. So with Alex, he really helped me know. <laughs> like, he, he's the one who knew who to pitch me to and, and how to pitch me to them because he, he knew what could be a good fit based off of what, you know, who else the publisher is working with, things that they might be looking for. So then if a literary agent is so important, which they are, how do you find one? 
Yeah. You know, this is an age old question. <laughs> I mean, agents have been yes. around a long, long time. So yeah, it is important. And, and listen, it's hard. And sometimes it takes a long time to find the right fit for you. So I always say, you know, first of all, yes, you, you want to kind of search online, find out who, who might be the right fit for your category. Maybe you're writing a novel or a memoir. Who, who does that really well? Who works with that type of author, that type of book? So see if you can identify agents like that. And there are websites like publishersweekly.com or publishersmarketplace.com where you can actually go out and, and some of them, I think they have paywalls that you have for more content, but some of them you can search and get a sense of what agents are doing, what kinds of book deals. And that's a helpful resource. And then, you know, you go to their website, you pitch them. And that might take a long, long time. But when you find the right person, that time is worth it. I think that investment of really chasing down people is is worth it when the, when the connection works. We have you know an inbox where we we see a lot of submissions and we review them all. We review every single submission, and and occasionally we'll we'll come across one and go, ooh, that's that's right down our alley. We know who would publish that kind of a book, and so we might start up a discussion with an author. It is rare. I mean, it doesn't happen every day or every week, but when it connects, it's really, really wonderful. So that's one way. I mean, pitching your book, kind of cold calling and emailing or or whatever, usually email is the best way these days. The other way that, that works even better is to find a, you know, a friend of yours maybe who already has an agent or to get recommendations from other authors that maybe you know or are in contact with. We get a lot of referrals that way. And I would say that probably far more of the authors we're serving come through that, that method than any other. And that's not, you know, that's not necessarily our preference. That's just the way it works. And it seems to, it's again, like it is with publishers and book editors who we work with. We end up working with a lot of the same people all the time. With authors, it, relationships kind of win the day there as well. And so we end up signing a lot of authors who are friends of our authors. And that's that's wonderful. I think that's kind of a lovely part of the process. So if you can get a recommendation or an endorsement from an author, that, that, actually, that actually helps a ton. Oh, that's so, that's so good. I didn't realize that so many came from referrals. Actually, you know, but now that you say that, one of my best friends has wanted to write a book forever and she's amazing. And after I'd signed with Alex and had my book deal, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to introduce you to. <laughs> and now you're her agent and she's writing a book as well. So yes. I can totally see how that makes sense. And I think that all everything you just said just really affirms how crucial it is for you to start writing because you have to start putting yourself in the place where other authors are and where agents are looking and where your work can be seen so that people know that you're out there and what that message is. Alex, what is it that you're looking for as an agent? Because I know mm -hmm. that you get pitched so many times. So like what makes you either reach out to somebody or you get that, you get that proposal or that pitch and you're like, yes, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. For us, 
we have certain categories that we know pretty well. I mean, we do work in, you know, uh, self-help, memoir, the business and leadership space, a uh, little bit of fiction, and we know some of the religion space as well. So we work in certain categories that, you know, when we see something in one of those categories, like immediately that's a step in the right direction. And then we're looking for, ultimately, I think this is something I learned on the publishing side too, and this is so simplistic, but it's, it's something that I, I hear talked about all the time. There's sort of a three-legged stool with a book, right? You have the first leg is the concept of the book. And that includes like what topic is it? What category is this book in? What is the book about? What is the title or at least the working title of your book? And is it marketable? Is it commercial? Is it Or is it something that people will respond to? We often talk about when we're talking about concept, we think about the promise. Like what is the promise that the book is making to the reader. And that's something that is worth considering. Like, so does it have a promise? And, and is it gonna, is that something that's gonna encourage people or get them to pick it up on the bookshelf at Barnes and Noble? So that's one thing, the concept of the book. And also that includes the target audience, I should say. Like, who is it for? Like, who who is the reader? Is it a big group or is it for a niche group of, you know, is it underwater basket weaving for people who live in a certain state? That's a small, <laughs> it's a very small audience. So, you know, is it a big enough audience to make that concept sellable and marketable? So the concept is one leg of the stool. The other is the writing, the content itself. Is the, is the writing well done? Is it well thought out? Is it organized in a way that makes sense? So we consider that seriously. Now I'm, I'm an old school book guy. I'm a reader. I read so much stuff and I, you know, I majored in this. I love the writing part of it. And I wish it were a bigger part. Like that's one of the things people bemoan to me occasionally is, isn't it just about the writing? And honestly, sometimes it really is for certain categories, maybe for a novel, like the, the writing is so, so important, but it, Right now, for nonfiction in particular, it's one leg of a three-legged stool. The third leg is that platform piece. And really, it's about, is there a way to share this book with the world? Obviously, for sure, the publisher will bring marketing ideas and they'll bring marketing capabilities to the table. And some are better than others at certain things. But they're looking for authors who already have a bit of an audience, too. So... Those are the three legs of the stool. You have the concept of the book and the audience and, and who it's for. You have the writing and the content itself, and you have the platform and the marketing side of it. And sometimes we say, if we have two of those things, we're golden. We can take this out and find a home for it. But if you have all three, like it's a home run, you're going to find a great publisher. If you've got an audience, you have a great concept and you have solid, solid writing. So those are things that we look for regardless of category. But one thing I also say is like rejection is such a part of this game and it's so hard. <sighs> it really like that's, it's a personal, it feels personal, even though it's really, really not. So when you're approaching agents, sometimes keep in mind, like maybe it's, maybe they just have too much on their plate and they're saying no for that reason. Or sometimes, you know, they're really good at this category over here and yours isn't exactly a fit for what they do. So a rejection is a kindness sometimes. So I would say just keep at it, whether you're going through friends and, and looking for referrals to agents or you're, you know, approaching agents cold, like keep it up because at some point you will find somebody 
who connects with you in all the ways that matter and loves what you're doing and want to encourage you in the process. And that's, man, when that connects, that can be a really great relationship. So uh, keep the hope alive. (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, having an agent, because I told you guys in the beginning, I had one before who was not Alex and he also was amazing. And our proposal together, it didn't work out. And when I met Alex, there were different things about me that Alex picked up on and was able to also just help me develop more and think about how we would pitch me in the future to get published. And I realized like, wow, me and Alex are a really great fit uh, and specifically too for these next books. And so I love what you said about getting a rejection sometimes is an act of kindness because the agents know that if you're in a category that really they don't, they don't get into very much or that it's not going to be a good fit. Like that's something that's so big because then you can find someone who is, who can help you further down the path that you're on. Okay. So, so we've heard the three important things, which how you just laid that out is so good. I hope you all are writing that down. Like we are, you are (laughs) literally hearing (laughs) from the mouth of um, an agent who owns his own literary company and who was a former uh, VP at Penguin Random House. Like, this is the expert of all the experts, so I hope you're taking notes. (laughs) These are things I wish I knew even, what, four years ago. For those of you who are like, but I don't have an audience yet, or I've gotten rejected, or I can't find an agent to pick me up, I also want to make sure that you leave here still feeling really fired up that you can do this. So Alex, can you explain to us what the difference is between self-publishing and traditional publishing? Yeah, yeah, I can talk through that. Um, and it, what's interesting now, there we're seeing kind of a middle ground opening up of hybrid publishers I call them they're kind of they're not self-publishers totally but they're not traditional publishers either so I'll, I'll talk through that a little bit as well so traditional publishers are those who you know they will do a traditional publishing deal with you that means they'll pay you in advance against future royalties and we could talk more about that if that's interesting at all but essentially like they're they're paying you to write your book and they're going to come alongside you and help you release it to the world. So a traditional publisher, including the big five publishers in New York and a lot of large and mid-sized publishers all over the country, they you don't have to pay them a dime, first of all. That's really important to say. They're, they're usually, they have like a, a marketing team, a publicist or two on staff, sometimes a lot more than that. They have a sales team and a distribution arm of some sort. Sometimes they have their own warehouse. And so they're going to handle all that stuff for you. So when they pay you in advance, like what they're doing is they're saying, we believe we can sell X number of copies of your book in a certain period of time. And we're going to pay you up front this, this money because we believe we're going to get it back down the road. And this is how many we think we can sell. So they're taking a bet or a risk on you, the author. And signing a deal and taking that book to the world. And sometimes 
it works out and they, they get their bait back. They get that advance back and you earn royalties for a long time. And sometimes it doesn't. And we could talk about that as well. But that's what a traditional publisher typically does. A self-publisher and, and some of them are companies and some of them are like Amazon where you they have sort of tools in place for you to kind of do this on your own. Frankly, if you have a big organization or if you've built an audience already, self-publishing is not a terrible option if you don't mind doing a lot of the work yourself, right? Like it's it's not it's not a bad option at all. But you just have to to expect that you know, if you want anything done, likely you're doing it yourself. Even if there's a company involved kind of helping put the book together and print it, you know, and get it to the places you want to get it. If there's any marketing to be done, you're doing it yourself. If there's any design for your book cover, you're probably doing it yourself. So a lot of those things with self-publishing, you know, for an entrepreneur or somebody who has a vision for what this book should be, that's kind of perfect. Like that's not necessarily a bad thing. But for those who really want to write, or want to reach people in a certain way, but don't want to do all that other sort of down and dirty distribution and sales and marketing stuff, a traditional publisher can be really fantastic. Now, a hybrid publisher may pick up a few of those pieces and you know do something kind of in between where I've seen lots of profit sharing deals being more common now where somebody will say, we'll do your book cover design, we'll edit your book, we'll even get it to bookstores, and we'll do a 50-50 profit split or whatever it is. And that, that that's sort of what we do. That's what we can do. Everything else is kind of up to you. If you want to market the book or do anything kind of fancy or different or do a launch event or a book tour, all on you. So that I've started to see more and more of that, those sort of hybrid in-between publishers. What I would say, finally, those are kind of the three categories that I've seen. And there's some gray areas, but... I don't really love it when a publisher charges money of an author to print and publish their book. And some self-publishers, and we used to call them vanity presses, will do that where they'll charge you twenty or thirty thousand dollars to put your book out into the world. I am oh, not wow. a huge fan. Not flag. a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a red flag. Yeah. There I just say there are simpler ways to do that. And they may do a beautiful job. They may design you a great book, but there are so many other ways to get a book to the market now. I just don't think it's necessary. So that's that's a red flag for me. If there are certain things that make it work for you, you know, go for it. But it is what it is. So that's kind of the, the lay of the land as far as what I see uh, these days. That's so helpful. And for my first book, you guys, with Born to Shine, like I told you in the very beginning, I started on the path of I was going to self-publish it. I actually know several people, authors, people who have a pretty large influence online who have opted to self-publish because they make they have made more money that way because their audience is so large and they're very entrepreneurial and they've just love doing that. So I thought for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to self-publish. But then I realized how hard <laughs> distribution, getting into bookstores, all the details that I didn't want to spend my time doing. And most of you probably don't want to either. So who I signed with for Born to Shine is kind of in that hybrid range where 
we put on our own book tour. We did and continue to do all of our own marketing, all of that type of stuff for it. And, and really what they do is get us into bookstores and print the book and, and distribute it. So there's always an option for you to have a starting place, whether, you know, my, my dream was always to be published by a larger publisher and that didn't happen for me right away. And that's okay. Not only was it okay, but it also has led now to me being able to write more because you got to start somewhere. And Alex brought up a really, really good, I don't know, some good information that we don't really think about or that we often don't even know about before we're published is that you get, you get a advance before you even write the book if you are signed with a traditional publisher. So Alex, can you talk us through what happens if you're signed with a traditional publisher and you, you sell enough copies of your book to make up your advance money? And then what happens if you don't? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the advance, that's a good question. The, the, the way that's set up in traditional publishing, I think most of the big publishers out there do it this way, but they're going to pay you that advance based on what they think they can sell. Like I said before, and, and then after usually they're, they're trying to earn their, that advance back over a certain period of time. Sometimes it's two years or three years. They want to earn that advance back and when they do that, like then they're paying you royalties. That's what that's called. Like they they transition to paying you royalties, and that that royalty rate is agreed upon and negotiated ahead of time. And so, essentially, whenever you're selling a book, what's like a standard royalty rate? <laughs> we could get into some fun details here. Like there's in New York, <laughs> you'd see something called list royalties, which is a percentage based on the retail price. Usually that's around, it starts around 10%. I've seen it as high as 15%, but there are some standards with New York publishers on list royalties. Now there's another kind of royalties called net royalties. And those are based on what's received after your book has been sold to bookstores and usually the discounts, and I'm getting way into the nitty gritty, but the discounts that publishers sell to bookstores at is an average of 50%. Maybe maybe a little bit more. So those royalties start around eighteen percent and go up to twenty five percent ish, somewhere in that range. So there's a couple of different kinds of royalties. I've written about this quite a bunch, some places as well. But either way, those are some of the ranges, and you're going to earn that percentage on your sales of your book. And ultimately, those royalties start right away. And they start paying back that advance, paying back that advance. Every book you sell pays a little bit more back. And I will be honest too here, Ashley, uh, we may have talked about this. I think like seven or eight out of 10 books probably don't earn back their advance. At least, wow. at least. I didn't realize it was that high. Right? It's kind of, it's kind of crazy, at least not quickly. Sometimes it may happen way down the road, but it won't happen in what the publisher is looking for in that first couple years so but once once it does earn back then then you get to see those royalties it's passive income as long as that book is selling forever and that's 
that's a really cool potential part of this process is just to see well, what I see that as is that's impact and influence over a long time. People reading this book and hopefully sharing it with their friends. We still hear the best way people find out about books is from other people, other friends of theirs who've read it and loved it. So, so those royalties are, are wonderful, wonderful things. It means people are reading and being, being changed hopefully or impacted by those books over time. So I don't know if that's helpful, but that's some of the nitty-gritty stuff, Ashley. No, that's really helpful because truly, at least for me, so I'm going to say it's safe to assume a lot listening who are starting on this journey really just don't know. <laughs> so even knowing what it is that is a standard or an average is so helpful. So then what happens? You sign a deal, and what if you don't make your advance back? You don't sell the amount of copies that the publisher thought that you might? Yeah, that's, sorry, that's a good question too, because it, it does impact the rest of your writing and publishing career. That's really where it comes into play. Mm-hmm. In terms of that one book deal, nothing happens. The, the publisher has agreed to take that risk and put that money up and give it to you ahead of time. And that's usually split into a few payments. But if you don't earn back your advance, nothing happens with that particular book. However, and this is uh, probably obvious, but that publisher is a little less likely to sign your next book. And most publishers out there can see sales. There's a thing called BookScan, which is similar to how Nielsen tracks things for TV or whatever. Like BookScan tracks bookstore sales across the country. And so publishers can get a sense of how a book is doing. So if your book you know, doesn't sell, it's important to know that other publishers are looking at that when it comes time to shop your next book and share that book proposal for book two with others. If it, the first one didn't work, it's, you know, it will affect whether or not you get a book deal or a good book deal the next time around. So it can have repercussions down the road, but I, it's interesting too. It's kind of a catch-22. And Ashley, we talked about this some, like I always go out there and try to find really competitive book deals. In other words, I want the publisher to step up and have skin in the game, the the traditional publishers in particular, when they put money on the table for an author and, and say, we're going to, we're going to put this much on this particular book. We believe it's going to sell a lot. I'm always looking for those big competitive deals. And that's there's the catch-22. If it doesn't earn back, is that going to bite us down the road? Mm. That's There's something in that. There's potential there. However, as a former publisher, as somebody who sat down every season, say the spring of 2021, and I looked through all the books we were releasing and all the marketing dollars we had budgeted for that season – And I would set the marketing budgets with our marketing team and say, we're going to spend X amount on this title. And, you know, we started with those books that we had kind of paid more for. Like we had skin in the game on those books. And so I know as a publisher, the best way to to keep a publisher's attention, and this may sound a little mercenary, but I want them to have skin in the game. I want them to make a very competitive offer. And that, that will help us work hard. It'll help them work hard. So it's a real it's a real balance. It's not an easy game. Publishing is difficult. It can it can be super rewarding when it works. I I wanted to specifically ask you that too because I think a lot of the times for people who just know they want to write a book, 
you kind of think of like, I just want to write a book. It's my dream to be published. And so you focus really on just the writing and then the releasing. But that, if it doesn't, like you just said, if it doesn't go well, <laughs> which a lot of times it doesn't, you said seven out of eight won't ever make it back, then your career can can very quickly also come to an end as far as publishing goes if you're not able to get another deal after that. And so going back to what we've been talking about throughout the podcast of what are you doing right now to create your your platform and, and to really hone in on your messaging and and to create a community online who's here wanting what you have to say so that you can write for the long game so that it's not going to be you know, this flash in a pan, but that you're actually building something. You're building a career doing what you love. And that's why I think it's so important to hear everything that you just said, because there's so many steps that can be taken. And I think oftentimes we feel, I mean, we know the publishing industry is hard and we feel like if things don't work out the first time that we're just doomed forever, but really that's not the case because there's there's so many options that you guys, that, that we have to choose from if one way or another doesn't work out. Okay, Alex, you're amazing. <laughs> Everything has been so good. I feel like we could talk about this. <laughs> I feel like I could ask you a million questions. So the last thing that I wanna ask you, really I'm gonna leave open, for you as someone who is an expert at publishing books, what's the last thing that you would want to tell someone who's listening right now hmm. um, who wants to write? Yeah. Well, thank you for all the questions so far. I, you know, I love this business and, and the art of it and the craft of it as well. So the last thing I would say, I think I'd hearken back to a couple things that both of us said on this uh, in this conversation. The first I would say is writing a book is hard and it, it really does take, and you know this, Ashley, you've, you've written several books now, which is, which is awesome. I'm excited for them to get to the world, but it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It takes a long time. Yes. It really does over the whole process from the idea to getting on the shelf at a bookstore. It takes a long time. So I say this to authors all the time, take your time. Even when you get a book deal, it can still take upwards of 18 to 24 months sometimes to see that book finally get into your hands and get into bookstores. So take your time, don't be in a hurry. You know, I would I would take the process seriously and just walk through it one step at a time. And, and that's important for a lot of reasons. Like I think you, you want the book to be excellent. You want the content to be excellent. You want to write a great book. The best, you know, it's funny. We often talk about how the best way to market a book, the first thing you do is write a great book. That's, <laughs> that's so true. Like you, you got to start there because if you're marketing all this, doing all this great stuff and the book's not really worth talking about, it, it almost doesn't matter. So take your time write a great book. And I would go back to something I said earlier, you know, make sure this is something that you, you're willing to spend the rest of your life talking about. Make sure this is like your contribution to all of us. Like, what do you want to share? What have you learned in your short time on this earth? Like that you think is worth spending a year writing and spending years after that talking about and sharing with others. And then it's just going to, it's going to be out there on the shelf 
And even if they're picking it up at who knows what bookstore, I mean, your book is once it's out there, it's out there for a long time. So make sure you care about this and you want to say it <laughs> forever. Like this is going to be out there after. So that's that's important to consider too. And I, I, I love that that little analogy. I've heard this shared else in a lot of places where if you're, you know, 99 years old and sitting on your porch and drinking lemonade and or whatever, and you you look back on your life and you say, what did I regret that I didn't do? Or what what am I so glad that I did? Maybe writing a book is one of those. And if it is, then don't give up. Like, just go do it. And whether it happens with a traditional publisher, a hybrid publisher, a self-publisher, or you print it at the neighborhood print shop, like whatever, just write the book and take the time for posterity, for your kids, for whoever, put your idea or your story or your novel on paper and and put it out there into the world. Because when, when you're 99 and sitting on the porch, you'll be very glad you did, I think. And it'll be, a, it'll be a gift to the rest of us. It'll be a contribution to the rest of us who get to read that book and, and share it with others. So that's what I would say. And I, I know it can be frustrating. It's a very vulnerable process, but just go for it. Uh, I just want to make sure you all caught that because you just had one of the best publishing experts in the world give you permission to write your book. No matter how it gets out to the world, no matter what the printing process looks like, no matter anything else, he just told you to write the book. So <laughs> this, this is it. Like this is your, this is your life. This is your opportunity, and you get to go write your book now. Alex, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you gave us today. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, find your podcast? I know you have a great podcast for authors also. Yeah, yeah, we uh we're at we're online at thebinderyagency.com and our podcast you can find wherever podcasts are downloaded, listened to, enjoyed uh on publishing it's called. We've only done 12 episodes and we're looking to start again, but COVID sort of, you know, ran into that for us anyway. But we interview people from hey, the publishing. Hey, that's more episodes than I have. <laughs> oh, hey. Awesome. No, it's so been you're super doing, fun. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's only, you know, we're 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 trying to bring some of the insider discussions about publishing to people directly. And that's been fun. So we're interviewing a lot of publishing folks. That's awesome. So you can continue, you know, just listening and, and getting more resources over on his podcast, which we'll link in the show notes. Also, thank you, Alex, so, so, so much. And thank you everyone for joining us here today. And when you listen to this episode, take us on Instagram, because I really am curious what your ideas are, what it is that you're wanting to write and send out to the world. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the I am podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from you online. So if there's something that really resonated with you, come and let me know. Share a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at Ashley K. Lemieux so I can see what's impacting you the most. It might even help your friends. And remember, every time you ask yourself, am I really strong enough to do this? 
The answer is, I am. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.